This is Dr. X.H. Balthazar. I am broadcasting once again to present my findings from the world of the uncanny. This is not your average storm. It rages right now, as we speak, in the heart of Louisville, Kentucky. A 12-day monstrosity with no end in sight. Today, I'll sit down with a professor of American history at the University of Louisville, Dr. David Fields. Would you mind if I hung my coat on? By all means, please. It's still a bit damp, if you can believe it. Or perhaps that is my imagination. Now that I'm growing accustomed to the bone chill. I've lit a fire as a thank you for coming all this way. I had the time off from university. Given that there was an incident of sorts with a fellow professor, Marcus, who tragically passed in a freak accident... But I suppose I'm getting ahead of myself. Dr. Fields, I should inform you. Call me David, if you wouldn't mind. David, before we go any further, I intend to record this conversation for my listeners, unless you object. No, that's quite all right. I already anticipate how crazy I will sound to them. But that is yet another thing I am getting used to. How so? Well, Dr. Balthasar... Call me David, if you wouldn't mind. Ha! The people of my town don't believe me when I say this is not just a natural disaster we are dealing with. No, this is a historic reckoning. And my theories of resolution are ruining my reputation in my own town, that which I am trying to save. Let me do my listeners a favor and take us back for a second. Would you mind describing Louisville's current predicament? Certainly. I'll start by saying it was difficult for me to catch a train here because everyone is fleeing for the hills. The tropical storm started nearly a fortnight ago, and our casualties are well above the double digits at this point. It's a beast. Uh, Take no prisoners. You name it. I've seen it. I saw a house gutted in the blink of an eye with winds that drove wooden stakes into a cowering family. I saw the Ohio River swallow up a stray dog frantically whimpering for its owner. I saw lightning strike a young child fleeing the sudden uptake in electricity on her father's shoulders. I'm one of many trying to amend the situation, but I'm a historian, not a firefighter. Not some breed of broad-chested man pumping with unbridled valor, you know the sort. I can only offer so much expertise. The knowledge that this storm has happened in Louisville once before, in the early 19th century, under the context of witchcraft. Black magic. How did you discover this connection? It was the talk of the town at the time, Nearly every journal we have from that era makes mention of a terrible storm, a curse, and a band of vile witches roaming the streets. Of course, I used to think those tales were mere fables, but a storm like this makes you wonder if we are being punished. I can certainly see how you would draw that connection. But what is Louisville being punished for? This is where it gets interesting. 
The coven was said to gather at a particular tree, right at the center of downtown Louisville, which was their altar. So as to take a firm stance against the witches and their poisoning of public property, the city governance went about removing the tree. They thought it a good way to rid themselves of this problem for good. That would only antagonize them, I presume. Precisely, Doctor. The day they saw the tree down, the mighty storm began. Flooding, destruction, exactly like we see today. The storm raged on for weeks until a bolt of lightning struck the stump, and a new tree grew in its place. Only this one was gnarled, its branches wrapped around itself like tendrils raised from hell itself. Uh, locals call it the witch's tree now. For a long time, it was something of a historical landmark. People would travel to the twisted tree and leave offerings, a way of atoning for the sins of the past. Only now, this tale is all but forgotten. I had to dig through the university library just to find mention of it. I'm no believer in these sorts of stories, but it cannot just be coincidence. Can it? Have I lost you, Doctor? Quite the opposite. You have my undivided attention. Well, you'd be the first. So, you've made your theories? Theories? I would hope they've earned more merit than that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to discount you. I only mean to suggest that it hasn't been proven. No, I'm overreacting. You see, I'm a bit defensive. I'm a respected member of the academic community. To go out on a limb such as this... To suggest witchcraft could be the root of mass destruction. It's mad. But have you presented your evidence? Which was considered lightly, then deemed a danger to the community. A danger? It is my hypothesis, when put into action, that they fear. I determine beyond a reasonable doubt that there is a strong connection between this murderous storm and the one from a century ago. History is repeating itself, and we are paying the price for not learning from it. Once the offering stopped, the storm came in full force with no warning, unrelenting. There appeared to be a direct correlation between the offerings and appeasing the legacy of the witches, it seemed clear to me that an offering of great significance must be made in order to cease our suffering. But many did not believe the solution to a natural disaster could be that simple. And those who did, well, it was hard to find a soul to brave the storm. We are living under the warning that if we step outside, we risk an eternity at the witch's hand. That's when Marcus got involved. Your late colleague... Yes. You see, I reasoned with Marcus to experiment on something with me. To go to the witch's tree and leave an offering of great value at its base. What kind of offering? Something small. An item the offerer deems valuable. You have to start somewhere. If we were wrong, it would be a failed experiment and nothing more. Nothing more. So, Marcus grabs his watch. We get in my car. 
and drive through the storm as it tries with everything it can to take us off the road and up into the air. Until we get to the witch's tree. I instruct him to do exactly as I say. I tell him he must take his offering, extend it out in front of him so all can see, and walk slowly towards the tree. You have to show in your walk that you fear them. It's what they want from you. I watch him take his small steps from the driver's seat of the car. It looks like it's going to work. The winds are dying down, the thunders, rumbles, lower. He sets the watch down, bowing, and just as he's about to retreat, the tree takes life. I swear to you, it had a mind. It knocks his feet out from under him and traps him in a branch hole, taking him hostage. He's struggling with all his might, calling out for me, screaming. What could I do? I had nothing to give, nothing to offer. First lightning bolt strikes the tree, and I see it course through Marcus's body. His eyes bulged out of his head, and his teeth barred as fresh blood seeped through the gaps in the white. Second strike, he goes completely limp. His body is shivering, and I don't think he has any control over his nerves at that point. By the third strike, I can smell burning flesh, and I see smoke coming out of his mouth and ears with the blood. Dreadful. By the fourth strike, I know he's no longer there. Now you listen to all that and tell me this storm doesn't have a vendetta. I can see what you mean. <clears throat> Although, how do you move forward from that? You keep experimenting. Keep trying to figure out what it is they want. I mean with Marcus's family. Did you tell them what he died doing? What your slightly unfounded plans for experimentation were? Slightly unfounded? You insult me. I told them it was his idea to provide an offering, and I drove him there. He is responsible for his own death, seeing as he participated willingly. Otherwise, I'd be locked up, maybe. Unable to continue on with my search to end this once and for all. But who else is going to do this if not me? But at what cost? You agree that the origins of the storm are supernatural, yes. I could see many explanations for this disaster, both the reasonable and the uncanny. No, no, no. I've presented the case to you. This is most definitely some sort of powerful spell. One that is asking more from us than it did last time. The way it took him, ravished him until he was lifeless. You don't mean... The offering value has increased. The spell is asking for more. A sacrifice. A blood sacrifice. I hardly think you have grounds to jump to such a conclusion. But I do. I witnessed their signal to us. When they took him... I watched the storm's intention with my own eyes. It was out for blood, don't you see? Blood! That's enough. I will not have you suggesting to me or my listeners that manslaughter is ever an option. What would you do? What is the solution to a problem you can't touch, but won't stop until it has killed everyone? What's one life to a hundred? What would you offer? It's time for you to leave my office, Dr. Fields. Call me David, please, if you wouldn't mind. 
I pride myself on my ability to know a great deal about someone based on the first impression. But my first impression of Dr. Fields was far off than what I'd learned to know of him throughout our conversation. My initial impression of Dr. Fields was skewed, for what I learned throughout our conversation was disturbing and dramatically altered how I perceived him. I watched a man unfold before my very eyes, driven mad to prove himself, so caught up in his reputation that I watched him shed his skin and become someone else entirely. Someone capable of murder. I didn't know what to say to this question. What would you offer? If everyone around you was dying, what would you give? What would you believe in? Often these theories of the supernatural can make us feel like there is more out there than what first meets the eye. Our superficial perception of the world could hide how sinister we'll soon know it to be. A storm isn't just a change in weather, but a witch's spell reigniting to make us pay for our sins. But where we go seeking that fire, we are sure to get burned. It is an unsolvable conundrum. As for Louisville, I heard word in two weeks' time that the storm ended. It spontaneously ceased in the blink of an eye, after a month of wreckage and 47 innocent lives lost. I never heard from David, well, Dr. Fields, ever again. But I have been asked to keep a wary eye out for him, as his manhunt is still underway. That is all I have for this week. As always, thank you for tuning in, listeners. And until next time, goodbye and good night.